0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Uh, we are roaring into week number 11, final stretch run. As teams jockey for position for the college football playoff, the top four rankings are set. But Rock and Rich Sermonello, later today, the top 10 will have major adjustments after today's action. You know, usually we would like to see one matchup of top 10 teams. We
1: have. Not two. We have three matchups involving top ten teams, so this is such a pivotal weekend when it comes to the college football playoff. Great for fans. Great for college football. This truly is what it's all about. But you know who's not going to be a part of the college football playoff? The Pac-12. Because the one team that they had that possibly could have made a run, and it would have been difficult Washington loses Friday night to Stanford in a surprise.
0: Yeah, Bryce Love with 166 rushing yards on the ground. Costello passed for 211 through the air in the 30-22 to victory in Palo Alto over the Huskies last night. We're just getting started. Big show on tap. 1024 Eastern will be joined by former Georgia wide receiver Corey Allen. We'll get Corey's take about the big games in the SEC, including Georgia and Auburn. Also, Alabama and Mississippi State at 11 24 where dog heavy former Georgia Bulldog running back Robert Edwards will talk about his 1996 experience on the Plains in Auburn it was the first SEC overtime game for Corey Allen and Robert Edwards as they face former Auburn Tiger head coach Terry Bowden at 1040 and 1140 we will be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci get his best bets for the weekend this is what it's all about sit back relax we're going to be with you for the next three hours rich top four rankings came out on tuesday night no real adjustments right. in there same as uh, week number one but i have a problem with five and six we spoke about it before the show oklahoma one loss we have tcu uh, one loss ahead of both miami and wisconsin who are undefeated yeah. i could see oklahoma because of ohio state's victor- uh, the victory with ohio state in the horseshoe but TCU ahead of both Miami and Wisconsin at this point in the season? Yeah, and and with a loss to an Iowa State team that lost
1: last weekend to West Virginia, so they kind of gave away some of their cachet, I agree with you. I I think the committee's take at this point, Joe, is – Let's see you prove it now. I think Miami did last weekend, that was a very impressive win over a good Virginia Tech team, 28 to 10. Wisconsin still has a lot to prove, and I think that's why this weekend is so fascinating in Madison because now they get to play Iowa, which is ranked, which is coming off that big 55 to 24 victory over Ohio State. So the committee stance is go out and prove it. Miami gets their opportunity against Notre Dame. Wisconsin gets theirs against Iowa. So it's a prove-it weekend for those unbeaten teams.
0: Yeah, and Oklahoma and TCU will set battle at 8 o'clock tonight in Norman. I understand that they're playing each other. But the problem is, when you look at both one-loss teams, they're putting a lot of weight into the Big 12 at this point in the season, heading into week number 11. We're just getting started. Sit back. When we come back, we'll dive into the top 25 battles. This is Joe Lisi, Rick Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Studio 34. college football today Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello if you want to talk college football with us give us a call 844-843-6879 that's 844-843-6879 you can follow me on twitter at the 2 you can follow rich on twitter at rich Shermanello that C I R M I N I E L L O we start with the SEC's oldest rivalry game 121st meeting on the plains in Auburn the number 1 Georgia ranked uh, Georgia Bulldogs face Gus Malzahn and the Tigers Jared Stidham and the crew looking for the upset Georgia's won 5 of the last 6 by 23 points per game Rich I love the Bulldogs here. I think they can run the football on a worn-out Auburn Tiger defense that's given up 157 rushing yards per game over the last three games in SEC play. Georgia's for real. I think we've learned that over the past couple of weeks. They're
1: handling their number 1 ranking very well. I think these are two similar teams, Joe. I look at them... Uh, terrific defenses, both in the top ten nationally and yards per play allowed. Both can run the ball physically. Auburn doesn't have the same depth without Cam Petway. It's gonna the load is gonna really fall on Carrion Johnson. Georgia has that great stable of backs. And then the other commonality between these teams is quarterbacks who are good, but they're going to have to prove it today. I think they're going to have a lot of responsibility in opening up the defense, balancing out the running game. So these are two similar teams, but I agree with you. Georgia to me is for real. I think they're a legitimate national title contender, outstanding defense, the ability to run the ball, Isaiah Wynn and the offensive line have been terrific all season long. And I'll say this, Gus Malzahn is a good coach, inconsistent throughout his career, I think Kirby Smart of Georgia has the potential. He's showing the ability to be a great coach. So I think this game will be won at halftime in the second half. I think it'll be close for a while, but I think Georgia pulls away and, and really solidifies that top ranking.
0: Yeah, this game was 13-9 to last year in Sanford Stadium. It was a gutty, blue-collar type of effort by the Bulldogs. They really forced uh, Auburn out of their game plan in Sanford Stadium last year. We'll see if they can do it on the Plains. I'll say this about Georgia's Offense, They're pounding the rock. They're rushing for 279 yards on the ground, passing for 166 through the air. They have two big play running backs in Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb that have combined for 1,577 yards, 18 rushing touchdowns. But you'll talk about Georgia's offense. In every game this season, they were able to rush for over 200 yards. The only game, Rich, that they haven't been able to rush for over 200 came against Notre Dame, where they mm. put up 185 yards on the ground. You look at George's Auburn's defense over the last three weeks now in SEC play, getting worn out. I think that's the matchup that you see play out a little bit later. But that is a very good defense. I mean, I'm not going to dismiss what Kevin
1: Steele has done. They're solid in the front seven. Jeff Holland, their linebacker, does a terrific job of not only defending the run, but creating pressure in the backfield. Again, I I think this is going to come down to the quarterbacks. Uh, That one game where Georgia did not rush for 200 also was the first career start for Jake Fromm. You have to consider that as well. But Georgia has continued to get better week after week throughout the season. Jarrett Stidham, I know you're not high on him. I'm not sure if he's there yet as well. I, I look at the second half of that LSU game, a game that Auburn quite frankly should have won. Now, Auburn Clemson you know Auburn was completely taken over by that Clemson front seven allowed 11 sacks was still one of the first games for Jared Stidham but by the time they got to LSU LSU was struggling at that time Auburn could not finish in the second half Auburn struggled in the red zone they are going to have to get six points when they get into the red zone against Georgia, that is going to be difficult. Teams have not had success against that defense. So Jarrett Stidham, for me, is a big question mark against Georgia today. I actually think Jake Fromm will play better in the battle of these two quarterbacks. Well,
0: that's what you want to see out of Auburn a little bit later today is can Jarrett Stidham start fast against that uh, Georgia defense that's only given up 89 rushing yards per game and they're holding opposing offenses to 178, 180 passing yards through the air. The one thing about Georgia's defense that they've really dialed up in recent weeks has been sacks. We talked about it three weeks ago. They had through seven games, they had 10 total sacks over the last couple of games. Now, Georgia has recorded seven uh, sacks in the last two games. More importantly is in terms of making teams one-dimensional, Georgia's held six of nine opponents under 100 yards rushing. If they could put the pressure on Jared Stidham to throw over the top, that could be the defensive game plan that you want to see play out for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. And and, and you know what? If you liked Bedlam last week between Oklahoma (laughs) and Oklahoma State,
1: this is going to be a very different kind of ball game. This is an old school college football game which I personally love. love. I, I mean to me this is going defenses are going to play an integral part of the yeah. outcome. The running games are going to be important. You know, the quarterbacks are going to be a key, but, but that's not going to be the focal point. This isn't going to be a 45-42 game. You know, if you can get to 24-27 points in this battle, you've got a very good shot to win. So, this is a traditional old school SEC football game. Georgia has a shot, obviously, to make the playoffs play for a national championship. I think Auburn is sitting in the same position, even with two losses. It's asking a lot. But with Georgia on the schedule, with Alabama on the schedule, and then the possibility of playing Georgia again, there's a lot of opportunity here. And think about this, too. We love talking about coaches, hot seats, and that sort of stuff. Gus Malzahn, if he collapses in the next three weeks, he could be out of a job. If he flourishes... He could be a national champ, potentially. So there's a lot at stake for Gus Malzahn and his staff.
0: And pressure. And uh, that's the, pressure. That's the one thing I think you want to see at 3.30 later today is, can Jared Stidham handle the pressure? He is at home. And this is an Auburn offense that's averaging over 200 rushing yards on the ground. They're also passing for 200 through the air. Stidham's played well. He's completing 63% of his passes right around 2,000 yards, 11 touchdowns, only three interceptions, but really hasn't been asked to win a game when he right. Yeah in Death Valley he could not pull that game out after they jumped out to the 20 to nothing lead so if Georgia can put the pressure on him to beat their defense over the top there can be a lot of pressure here. I will say this about Auburn's offensive line. That's a concern for me heading into this ball game yep. as well. They've allowed 24 total sacks as an offensive unit. And when you look at Kirby Smart's defensive game plan last year, they were able to create quarterback pressures on Sean White. And that's what really led to that victory in Sanford Stadium. Which is an excellent point. I'm glad you brought it up, Joe. If I have to look at a unit...
1: That concerns me. It is that offensive line. And and there is talent. Braden Smith is one of the best in the country, possible All-American at guard. But at this time of year, now that we're reaching midway into November, attrition, injuries begin to mount for every program in the country. For Auburn, the unit that is the biggest concern, and we saw it a little bit last weekend... Is the offensive line. They've, they've started to do some shuffling. They've started to bring some younger players from the second team into the first unit. And with Georgia up next, with that linebacker core of David Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, Roquan Smith, uh, Trent Thompson up front, uh, Jonathan Ledbetter up front, they can generate so much pressure. And Jarrett Stidham, while somewhat athletic, we have seen, uh, particularly in the Clemson game, LSU game as well, when he gets pressured in the pocket, he could easily be flustered. He's still somewhat of a young quarterback in terms of experience. You could really pressure him into mistakes. You can pressure him into uh, errant throws. And, I, and Kirby Smart is absolutely going to try to put some heat on on to Jared Siddham to see how he responds to that.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, when I look at Georgia's offense as well, the one thing that they're doing better than any team in the SEC, even Alabama, is converting on third downs. They're converting 51% of their third down conversions. That's taking the pressure off of Jake Fromm, and more importantly, the offensive line in third down and long situations because they're not one-dimensional. Their ability to run on first and second down is creating manageable third downs for their quarterback. When you look at Auburn right now they're holding opposing offenses to 33 percent on third downs they're gonna stack the box on first and second down they're gonna force Jake Fromm to make his reads and progressions early on if he can't do it that could feed into Auburn in this ballgame. And I, and I think it's remarkable. It's a testament to how much the the
1: true freshman has changed over the past, I would say, decade. Uh, because Jake Fromm was in high school last year. To be able to not, not only have the physical ability to compete and the arm talent to compete in the SEC, but the personality, the poise, the maturity, the mindset to compete in these kinds of games... This is going to be the toughest one to date. I think even harder than that Notre Dame trip. But this kid is so mature. That's what we heard throughout the offseason. When we were doing offseason shows, what did we hear? You know, Jake Fromm is the kind. Look out for Jake Fromm, people were telling us, because he's not only a talented five-star kid, but he has a five-star mentality, and he has proved it in his first season. He
0: has. and yeah, You could look at that game in Notre Dame not a lot of pressure on Georgia then. They weren't expected to win yeah. that ball game. They pulled it out, and now the bullseye's on their back. They're number one in the college football playoff. Auburn, if they win out the rest of the way, will go to the SEC championship game. So, so that pressure builds now. How does Jake Fromm handle that? We'll see at 3.30 a little bit later today. We're just getting started. When we come back, we'll be talking TCU in Oklahoma. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football, Georgia Auburn. Over the last four games, the Bulldogs have been rushing with the football for 331.7 rushing yards per game. I expect it to continue later today on the Plains Rich. I think they get a gutty 27-17 to 17 victory over the Tigers uh, a little I, bit later. I think
1: that nails it really well. I'm in the same sort of area. I think Georgia wins. I think they continue this surge towards a possible SEC, a national championship, just a more complete football team. I do think it'll be pretty close throughout, but Georgia pulls away.
0: Here's another factor why I don't like Auburn. Only four interceptions heading into this ball game. I think that could play a factor into this game a little bit later as well. We'll turn our attention to a Big 12 battle. Number five Oklahoma, number six TCU. Oklahoma's won four of the last five by four point three points per game. Those four victories have come by a combined total points of seventeen points per game. I mean seventeen total points. Rich, I really like Oklahoma here. I'm not sold on the play of Kenny Hill over yeah. the last couple of weeks. I think they get a convincing 17-point or more victory later today in Norman. I'm not sure if I agree with the gap, the spread really? here. Okay. I, I
1: think Oklahoma holds serve uh, coming off the big really? victory over Oklahoma State. I, here, Here's where I'm at. Study and contrasts. You have the great, prolific Oklahoma offense versus the Big 12's best defense. In TCU, Gary Patterson does a good job of getting that speedy defense ready. They're strong in the front seven, very good on the back end. I think at times they'll frustrate Baker Mayfield, but I just can't bet against Baker right now. He is so hot. He is so good under pressure. This is an incomplete football team. That's why I can't really think about them in terms of the playoffs right now. But when the game is on the line, you've got Baker Mayfield on one side. You touched on Kenny Hill. That's my issue. I I don't trust Kenny Hill. I do think this is going to be a close game because I think TCU's defense is that good. Oklahoma's D has struggled all year long, one of the worst pass defenses in the country. But it's going to come down to Kenny Hill versus Baker Mayfield. That is a huge advantage for the Sooners. I say OU but I think this is a competitive game late.
0: Yeah, I think it's a blowout. I'll tell you why. And when you look at Kenny Hill, you mentioned his play over the over the season completing 68% of his passes, 2000 yards. He's got 15 touchdowns, five interceptions over the last couple of games in games against Texas and Iowa State, he has not thrown a touchdown pass. And more importantly, when you look at third down conversions during that span over the last couple of games, they're converting 29% of their third down conversions. 9 of This was a team uh, in the middle of the year that led FBS with 53% of third down offense. They've slipped in recent weeks. They're going up against an offense in Oklahoma that's averaging 395 passing yards per game. You mentioned Mayfield 28 touchdowns. He's completing 71% of his passes. To me, that's the matchup. I think they jump up early, force Kenny Hill to match them score for score, and I think those running backs get involved today. Abdul Adams, Sermon, and Rodney Anderson last year in Fort Worth, Pirine and Mixon were huge factors. I expect it c- to continue today in Oklahoma. Listen, uh, TCU's offense has struggled, A- and we know
1: about the inconsistency, the up and downs of Kenny Hill, but Oklahoma could be the perfect prescription for that TCU offense. Could be. I mean, they can't stop anyone through the air, and TCU does have some good weapons like Cavante Turpin, they have Darius Anderson and Kyle Hicks out of the backfield I think TCU is going to move the ball On the Oklahoma defense I mean Oklahoma is that iffy And that inconsistent defensively And then we look at the TCU defense You know, when you talk about good defenses, the Big 12 deserves kind of a category of its own. You're not shutting teams out. You're not shutting them down. Iowa State has been an exception at at times this year, beating TCU 14 to 7. But to me, a good defensive effort against Oklahoma is, is holding them to 28 to 31 points. I think TCU is capable. Think about these numbers two yards per carry. They're giving up number seven nationally in third down stops. And in terms of sacks, I like to look at the efficiency of offensive lines. TCU has 28 sacks. They've allowed 11. That's a spread of 17. So this is a more complete football team. I think this is the toughest test. And let's not forget Oklahoma. They have been tested really for much of the past month and a half by Baylor by Iowa state. Um, even last week against Oklahoma State, that was a three-point game before Sermon had the long run to give him a ten-point spread. So I think this is competitive. I don't think Oklahoma has showed me enough this year that they can take TCU behind the woodshed. TCU is a pretty good football team,
0: Kansas State as well. That was a 42-35 I'm, victory. I'm running it through my mind. That, and I, you I, liked I could, Oklahoma in that yeah, one, but I that did. was a close game. I mean, because of Kansas State's ability to run the football, opened up play action for Alex Delton in that ball game. You bring up great points. I mean, TCU is holding opposing offenses to sixty. 9 rushing yards per game in terms of third down defense they're holding opposing offenses to 29% of their third down conversions this is an Oklahoma offense that's converting around 43% of the time i just feel that baker mayfield has more weapons around him and again when you look at the tcu offense now against solid defenses texas and iowa state they've struggled now oklahoma is not the same type of defense but I feel like their offense can force TCU into mistakes, and especially on the road here, Oklahoma is not going to overlook TCU. These games have been traditionally very close. Uh, Oklahoma picked up this ball game last year, fifty-two to forty-six. They jumped out to a, a, a double-digit lead and held on in Fort Worth. Look for the same type of game plan. Lincoln Riley had the right game plan last year on the road. I expect it to continue. I think they get a seventeen okay. to twenty-point victory. I think it's high-scoring guy. I see like 47, 30 in that area. They
1: clearly have the offensive potential. And what, what always intrigues me about Oklahoma is you go into a season not knowing... You know, this year in particular, who who are the playmakers gonna be? You kinda wait a little bit, he spread the ball around, and then and then last week Marquise Brown. Right. The wide receiver, right? I had a good start to the season but last week against an Oklahoma State secondary that I've been touting for the past month because they were so good uh, in pass defense. Nine catches, two hundred and sixty five yards and a touchdown. He just ran wild. And now that you have someone that can spread the field, who does it open things up for underneath? But Mark Andrews, right? One of our favorite—they don't really call him a tight end in North. Like I a, think he's a, tight he's a
0: hybrid. I, yeah, I, I exactly. consider him a hybrid. So
1: they have the weapons. Rodney Anderson has been running very well. I think this is going to be a highly entertaining game. Side note: Beyond the game, I, I think if Baker does what you think he's going to, if it is in that seventeen-point sort of a win against the best defense that he'll face. Maybe maybe you could say Ohio State certainly in there as well. I think the Heisman's over at that point.
0: I can't even think about the Heisman, but I mean, he'd be a front runner yeah. depending upon how the next you know three or four weeks play sure. out uh, with conference championships. I agree with that. How do you see this game? Low scoring? You see high scoring? No, I, I, I think TCU, again, I, I think this is going
1: to be a game where TCU plays better defensively than Oklahoma is used to. Oklahoma hangs 62 up last week. I think this is going to be like a 37 to 31 victory at the end of the day. I can't bet against Baker Mayfield. He's going to find a way to pull out the victory, but TCU will have enough offense to keep it competitive. I I think the Horn Frogs cover. I think it's about a touchdown game. I, I would yeah. take the points. Don't, no, we'll don't love it, but I think it's Yeah, I,
0: I like Oklahoma. I, I think I, The more I break this game down, I think Oklahoma is the more superior team. And again, I just don't like the quarterback play of Kenny Hill over the last couple of weeks. We'll see how he plays on the road in Norman uh, later tonight. It is an 8 o'clock kick. We'll turn our attention to another SEC West battle. It's Alabama. It is Mississippi State. Alabama's dominated the series. They've won nine straight over the Bulldogs by 23.5. 5 points per game they picked this victory up in Tuscaloosa last year 51 to 3 but i look at that victory last week in Tuscaloosa by Alabama over LSU a very blue collar game where they were beat up on both sides of the ball they suffered a lot of defensive injuries in that ball game they go to a tough environment in Starkville with a mobile quarterback and a, and a, a underrated defense in yep. Mississippi State I think Alabama prevails, but I think it is very, very close. I'm calling for a ten point Alabama victory I uh,
1: completely today. agree with you. I, I think you touched on all the key points that I wanted to discuss, including the fact that I think this is going to be a competitive game. I would take those points because you know Stark Vegas is such a unique place to play. It's such a difficult place to play. That town will be on its ear tonight. Cow bells are ringing, which is always a problem for the opposing offense. Uh, You touched on two two key things, the attrition of the Alabama defense. No one's going to shed a tear for Alabama. I mean, they're loaded with four- (laughs) and five-star players. But let's remember that at the beginning of the season, they lost key linebackers, sean Dion hamilton last week now is done for an extended period of time possibly for the season minka fitzpatrick their star defensive back may or may not play and if he does play he's less than 100 so attrition is starting to hit the alabama defense just in time for this trip to mississippi state and nick fitzgerald and i love that you brought up the defense because jeffrey simmons and that D, led by their coordinator, Todd Grantham, who I know you have mixed feelings about. Mixed. They are a very aggressive defense. This is going to be a spotlight game for Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to have to do more than he has at any point in his brief Alabama career.
0: Yeah, and you could look at that matchup against LSU. LSU did record four total sacks in that ballgame against Jalen Hurts. They forced him in the pocket. The speed off the edge was the difference for LSU's defense in containing Alabama's offense in that matchup. You look at Mississippi State's defense entering this ballgame. They're holding opposing offenses to 127 rushing yards on the ground, holding opposing offenses to only 165 passing yards per game that's going to be the recipe for the defense offensively i expect Fitzgerald to put pressure on the perimeter of that Alabama defense well he's going to have to if i
1: have a concern about Mississippi state it's always the balance of the offense because he's a he's a decent passer but he's a run first quarterback and and if you don't have balance you're usually not going to be successful against the Alabama defense anyway but if you don't have the threat of a passing game a consistent quarterback that can make completions, it becomes that much tougher because obviously
0: Alabama is going to key on stopping the run uh, with Fitzgerald. Yeah, when we come back, we'll give our prediction for Alabama-Mississippi State. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi and Ritz-Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. 844- 4 fntsy That's 844-843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network, your free fancy source, 24 hours a day. It's gonna be a great atmosphere in Starkville later tonight. Cowbells rocking and ringing. In order for Mississippi State, Rich, to get this victory later tonight, they're going to have to score first on that Alabama defense, put the pressure on Jalen Hurts. Alabama does that better than anybody. They jump up early and force you out of your game plan. But playing at home, I see Mississippi State being able to maybe get a field goal, a touchdown. I think they lose a very close ball game, thirty to twenty. Somehow, some way, Jalen Hurts makes enough plays in the offense to pick up a ten-point victory.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I, I think this will be more competitive than the odds makers think. I think Mississippi State will have a shot at the end of the day. Just not enough passing from Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, he'll he'll be able to run somewhat, but look at what he did last year against the Alabama defense. I think it was about 10 yards on the ground, something 10, yeah. 13 yards on the ground. So Alabama knows how to contain a one-dimensional quarterback, but this is a very difficult place to play. I think Mississippi State will be amped up. I like their defense. People don't know the names like Montez Sweat. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Mark McLaurin on the back end. Watch out for that Mississippi State defense. This will be a competitive game. I like Mississippi State to cover, but I don't think they pull the upset.
0: Yeah, we'll see because last year, this weekend, last year, three of the top four teams did get knocked Mm -hmm. off. The only team that didn't get knocked off was Alabama when they beat up on Mississippi State. Clemson lost to Pittsburgh. Michigan lost to Iowa. And USC did defeat Washington Mm. this weekend last year. That's a good call. So, upset alert, people. Number 2 Alabama on the road in Starkville. You never know what can happen. We'll see how that game plays out. It is a 7 o'clock kick on ESPN. Check that out. We'll turn our attention to a Big Ten battle. It is Iowa. It is Wisconsin. Wisconsin undefeated looking for... uh, another notch in their resume before they play Michigan in week number 12. Iowa coming off a dominating home win over Urban Meyer and the crew, 55 to 24, forced four interceptions against JT Barrett. It's a close game it's a rivalry game the last two have been decided by a total of thirteen points or six and a half points per game but I still like the offensive balance of Wisconsin I think they prevailed by seventeen points or more you later to win by that much I, See, do.
1: I, I disagree I mean this is one of my better bets of the really? day i I just think that Iowa line is is going to be too high now Coming off the Ohio State victory, what is their mindset? 55-24, you mentioned it. I, I'm going to bank on the fact that it's confidence, that that it's not you know sort of a, a letdown the week after Ohio State. I think it's a confident football team. They have defensive playmakers like Josie Jewell at linebacker, like Josh Jackson, who's quickly rising up NFL draft boards at cornerback. And I've been really impressed by the offense over the past couple of weeks, and I know they've been somewhat inconsistent, that has to do with the fact that, you know, this is a young quarterback, a first-time starting quarterback in Nathan Stanley, but but Stanley has looked really good. He's making good use of his wide receivers like T.J. Hawkinson, his uh, tight end, Noah Fant. Iowa always has good tight ends. I think this is a confident football team, and Wisconsin, which needs style points, could be pressing a little bit. And again, I talked earlier about injuries and attrition, Wisconsin has now started to get hit. Their top wide receiver, uh, Cephas is out for this game, out for the rest of the season. Their middle linebacker, Chris Orr, out as well. So I think this is going to be a competitive, somewhat low-scoring Big Ten football game and getting double-digit points I like the Hawkeyes to cover, Wisconsin to prevail, but I I think this is a very good Iowa football team.
0: Yeah, I can't take away from what Iowa's done, especially when you look at that defensive performance last week against Ohio State and and Urban Meyer. They shut them down in every facet of the game. Forced turnovers were able to score off their turnovers. And you have a quarterback in Nathan Stanley that makes solid decisions. That's the one thing. He puts the ball into his playmaker's hands. Doesn't challenge deep a lot, but when he does, he's very professional productive I like Wisconsin here for a couple of factors. Offensive balance, they're rushing for 244 yards on the ground, passing for 196 yards through the air with Hornibrook. He's completing 64% of his passes. Rich, you mentioned the defense. Wisconsin's defense is allowing only 87 rushing yards heading into this ball game per game. And more importantly, in terms of their secondary play with Jim Leonard, their coach, yeah. 180 passing yards per game. They do have 31 sacks as a defensive unit. And they force turnovers. I think you need to be able to do that, especially in critical Big Ten games, games that matter for a national championship or a conference championship. And the other factor is third down offense. Yeah. 53% number 1 on, number 1 in yep. fps yep. that's the fact that i look at today and, and you
1: got to give a lot of credit i i saw the same number i mean leading the nation i i don't think of wisconsin as a, as an offensive juggernaut ever that's never their mo they're defensive minded they're roll up the sleeves blue collar type of a team obviously run first particularly this year with jonathan taylor <laughs> But give a lot of credit to Alex Hornibrook. You're number 1 in the country in large part because of your left-handed quarterback, his ability to make good decisions, to find the soft spots in defenses. He has done that, and his development as a sophomore has been integral for Paul Christ and what the Badgers have been able to do. So they're a more balanced offense than we've seen in the past. Listen, I'm a big fan of Wisconsin in general. I, I Whether it's Barry Alvarez or Brett Bielema or Paul Chris, this program consistently takes the two- and three-star kids throughout the Midwest, sometimes comes to the, to the northeast, comes to this part of the country, grabs a Jonathan Taylor down from southern Jersey, and develops these players into stars. So I'm a big fan of this program, but Iowa is a similar type of a team, similar kind of a homegrown, blue-collar team, that tends to sort of shoot past expectations. And Kirk Ferentz is doing the same thing this year. So while I won't predict an upset, I don't see a tremendous amount of gap between these teams. And also, Iowa has been battle-tested. Wisconsin, not so much. I mean, Iowa was very close to upsetting Penn State to go along with that Ohio State victory. So I think this is an underrated football team heading into Week 11.
0: Yeah, and they played Northwestern in an overtime game. They dropped that ball game in Ryan Field, but that was another close battle for, for the Hawkeyes as they enter into this ball game against Wisconsin. I just feel Iowa realize a lot on Akron Wadley, James Butler their running backs are an integral part of their offense not running the football the way they have in recent years only rushing for 135 yards per game heading into this ball game. that goes right into Wisconsin's strength I think it's going to be a dynamic atmosphere in Camp Randall I mean it's going to be cold it's going to be chilly this is what big 10 football yeah. is all about expect turnovers expect critical third down plays because I expect the low score Game, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think I, we'd both be shocked if it's 40 sure. to 30, Wisconsin picks up this ball yeah, game.
1: Yeah, and, and let's take a look at the big picture. Beyond just the breakdown of the game, it's an interesting year in college football because so many conferences, more than we've seen during this playoff era, are in jeopardy of not having a representative in the playoff because of the evolution of Notre Dame, because you have two teams in the SEC in Georgia and Alabama, possibly two teams out of the ACC in Miami and Clemson. So the Big Ten is putting all of its chips in the middle of the table, and those chips have the W of Wisconsin on it because I don't know this, the vaunted Big Ten East division is, Everybody has at least two losses. Wisconsin is undefeated. So if Wisconsin does not continue to roll, is it possible that the Big Ten champ is not in the playoff?
0: And how much weight does the committee put into that Oklahoma victory over Ohio State by putting Oklahoma and TCU ahead of Wisconsin? So they feel, in their opinion, the Big 12 is a stronger conference because of that Oklahoma victory in the horseshoe. It was huge. I mean, that that was huge for the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 entered
1: that, was a week two? Yeah, the week, right, two? Three, week three, I week think three. It was. Yeah, they, they entered week three with a major identity crisis, the Big 12 did. I mean, they, they really needed Oklahoma to win that game, which they did, on the road, in Columbus. But that hurt the Big 10 at the same time. And we, we, we had discussions earlier in the year, maybe the Big 10 was a, a conference that would have two playoff contenders. But now... You know, Penn State has slipped with back-to-back losses. Ohio State had the collapse against Iowa. Michigan has been mediocre based on compared to last season, and now everyone is staring at Wisconsin. I mean, if if Iowa ever pulled an upset, that would really be a big problem for uh, Jim Delaney in the Big Ten
0: Conference. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Wisconsin wins this ball game thirty to thirteen. I think it could be a ten-point game much of the way, and they get a late touchdown to cover this number uh, in Camp Randall.
1: Well, I've been kind of cold lately, much like the uh, weather we're expecting in Madison, Wisconsin. So I- I'm banking on Iowa. I think this will be a close to the vest. Low-scoring game. I think Wisconsin does win. I think they win at Camp Randall. Uh, I don't think it'll be a du- double-digit victory. Yeah, though. we'll
0: see. It is a 3.30 start. It is on ABC. Check that out. We'll turn our attention to the Catholics versus the Convicts game. A renewed rivalry. Yeah. We have Brandon Winbush on the road with Notre Dame facing Miami. Miami coming off a very impressive 28-10 to victory over Virginia Tech. I think it continues at home home in South Beach. A lot of people don't. They hate me. But I like this Miami defense that's forced nine interceptions over the last three games. I think they make Brandon Wimbush one-dimensional, force him to throw over the top. I think Miami picks up a 27-20 victory at home over Notre Dame. In another fascinating game on a great weekend of college football, you
1: have the historical significance. You mentioned Catholics versus convicts. This game matters. I mean, this game matters on a national level. Level everyone will be watching. Can Miami continue to remain unbeaten? Can Notre Dame continue to forge ahead to a possible playoff spot? They have a big game today. They have at Stanford in a couple of weeks, which will be huge as well. Loving the matchup between that physical offensive line, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, two possible. Uh, old lineman, that'll be first-round NFL draft picks. Josh Adams, Brandon Wimbush against the Miami defense that impressed the heck out of me last week against Virginia Tech. Outstanding in the front seven. You're going to hear names like R.J. McIntosh, Joe Jackson, up front, battling against those Notre Dame linemen. It's going to be a great matchup this evening.
0: We're just wetting the pallet. When we come back, we'll be talking Notre Dame. We'll be talking Miami. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. We're gonna go over some early selections. We've both been on fire. Let's jump right into it. Baylor. Playing Texas Tech. This is a Texas Tech team that has lost four straight. They sit at one and five in the Big 12. You look at Baylor coming off a Big 12 victory over Kansas. They're one and eight overall, but this is a team that's gotten better over the last few games against West Virginia, Texas, and Kansas defensively rich. They're only allowing 138 rushing yards per game and holding opposing offenses to 12 of 42 on third-down conversions. You look at Texas Tech as a whole, defense. Defensively, they're allowing 21 of 40 third-down conversions over the last three games. That's 52%. I like Charlie Brew and the crew. I do feel that they get the outright win over the Red Raiders
1: later today. Not one of my best bets, but I agree with you. I think these are two programs trending in opposite directions. I expect Texas Tech to finish slow, but but I think Matt Rule, who is a far better coach than Cliff Kingsbury, I think he's going to want to build some momentum for 2018, and I think he gets it this November.
0: Yeah, Baylor has won five of the last six by 18 points per game, and you look at Cliff Kingsbury in the Big 12 over the last three and a half years, 10-23 overall. That's 303 winning percentage. I think he's on the hot seat. We'll see how it plays out at 12 o'clock a little bit later. Let's turn our attention. SEC's oldest rivalry I love Georgia I'm a Georgia fan Not a best pick of mine But you love the Bulldogs Later today I, I do I, I, At this time of year I like betting those
1: teams That I believe Are are the real aristocracy The blue bloods Of college football Georgia is entering That territory Will be close, will be competitive, but I think Georgia pulls away in the second half and again solidifies that top overall ranking.
0: I love Miami a little bit later today. I gave my prediction twenty-seven to twenty. We're going to get into that game in next hour, so I don't want to delve too much into it. But I love the Hurricanes a little bit later. You had Beach.
1: a really good finger on the pulse of the Hurricanes, Joe, including last week against Virginia Tech. You were right, I was wrong. But I'm going to try go. Probably not a wise move, as hot as you are. I'm going to try to go against you one more time because. I think Notre Dame, with that ability to grind out yards on the ground, assuming Josh Adams is healthy, I think they wear down the Miami defense... But you know what? Though I would be shocked though. Miami is really getting close to that 4 real territory. I'm going to take Notre Dame, but I'm going to take them uh, somewhat uh, cautiously. Tepidly.
0: Tepidly. tepidly. Yeah, <laughs> tepidly. A tepid. uh, Iowa on the road in Camp Randall. I like Wisconsin here. Not one of my best selections, but you feel Iowa hangs in, in striking distance. I,
1: I do. At this time of the year, Wisconsin should have played a ranked team they haven't. I think that's going to catch up to them. I, I You know, Iowa battle-tested, Wisconsin not so much. These are similar teams. I think the gap between these teams are about five or six points. This is a double-digit spread. So although I think Wisconsin remains undefeated, I think Iowa covers this game.
0: Yeah, another intriguing best bet of mine is Virginia Tech on the road. And Bobby Dodd, they've won three of the last five over the Yellow Jackets by uh, four points per game. The last five games have been decided by a total of five points. And Georgia Tech picked this victory up last year, 30-20. to 20. I don't want to get too much into it, but I think Virginia Tech gets a convincing road win over the Yellow Jackets. Was a game I considered for best bet. I Uh-oh. agree with you. No, oh, okay. I agree.
1: I, I like Virginia Tech. My only concern, Georgia Tech, unbeaten at home. But I have looked closely at that Yellow Jacket offensive line. Not what you're normally used to out of a Paul Johnson team. I think they struggle against the defensive line of Virginia Tech.
0: Chris Chris Ash and Rutgers on the road to face James Franklin. They've dropped two straight. I would lean Penn State here. Not a best selection. But you'd think Rutgers hangs close.
1: I'm going to give a nod to our boy. <laughs> Keith Cromer, one of our favorite uh, members of the audience, tipped me (laughs) off earlier this week. I watched some film of the Rutgers' defense better than I expected. I think Rutgers, with a lot to prove, recruiting on the line in this game.
0: Chris Ash doing a good job. I think they cover against Penn State. Gotta love Keith Cromer. When we come back, we'll be delving into Notre Dame, Miami. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.